Hey, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter from the Columbia Bureau, here to talk this week in Mizzou sports. We're going to take a spin around a few different sports this week and end in an interesting place with wrestling slash mixed martial arts slash boxing. We'll get into that with Ben Askren's latest venture, but we're going to start with some football um, with the ESPN projections rolling out and then talk some hoops. But first, let's check in on how things are going in Como. Dave, what's what's going on, man? What's good? Pretty good, except I just saw it's supposed to snow next week. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Little League baseball. Spring. It's Little League baseball season here in the Matter household. So we uh, we're uh, we're holding up, doing well. Uh, I was just stunned. We we started the uh, we started the the podcast and it's complete silence in your house, which is rare. the The boys are back in school. Oh, they're back in school. Yeah, they're full time, five days a week. Um, yeah, I like the ambiance of like chaos in the matter household. It's a nice background for the. Podcast. Glad you do. You can move in if you'd like. For people who are wondering, like, there are times when I really ramble, like really, really ramble. It's sometimes because it's Dave's having to relocate to a different room of his house. <laughs> there's multiple pets all over the place. <laughs> Front doors open, and there's a dog in the in the street, and a child running down the street, and somebody needs a new roll of toilet paper, and who knows what. It's mass chaos. I love it. I love it. Well, you're, that's really what, what college football is, is trying to figure out chaos. And, and the folks who project college football are, you know, they're always out on a limb a little bit, but ESPN's got a formula. It runs through simulations and the way that it sees this upcoming Missouri football season. It's got Eli Drinkwitz's Tigers number 34 in the nation, and it's got the Tigers going seven and five. How does this hit you, Dave? What do you think this is uh, accurate? Do you think it's uh, you think the Tigers can be better than this? I do. Um, now, again, these these are based on twenty thousand computer simulations. This isn't just like three dudes in Bristol like <laughs> making their picks. This isn't like Phil Steele, you know, picking who's going to win based on depth charts necessarily. Um, so there is a a method to this, and I, I think there's no necessarily any bias um inherent bias by based on some writer at espn they've got missouri right at 34 overall um in the nation i I think starting off the season i think that's a fair place seven and five for the season Uh, they give missouri an 86 percent chance of winning at least six games to get to a bowl game just a 5.7 percent chance of winning the sec east which is third highest in the division Georgia is a heavy favorite, Florida second, um, then Missouri and Kentucky are pretty even there as that third best team, which I think is fair. I, I think Missouri can win more than seven. Uh, you look at the schedule and the non-conference schedule is pretty light. You have a one road game, you have to go to Boston College, um, but that's not too much of a threat. And then at home, you get Central Michigan, North Texas, and SEMO. So um, there's no reason they shouldn't go three and one, if not four and oh, in that schedule. And then you're, you get your same East opponents you always get and your two uh, West opponents, as always, you get Arkansas that's on the road this year. Uh, And then you do get Texas A&M, which is a a pretty popular top 10 preseason team. Um, They're even higher in these ESPN rankings. uh, I think they're fifth or sixth. Uh, So that's a tough game, but it is in Columbia. So I, I think this team, just looking at the schedule, there's nothing wrong with saying they could be eight and four, if not better, nine and three, something around there. I look at the schedule and see what should be a chance to to start out with a with a lot of wins. I think yeah. they've got that Boston College 
opponent. Boston College was six and five last season. They're a tough team. I mean, that's not going to be a, a gimme, especially on the road. But that's the only winning team that they will face had a winning record last season in their first, what, six games. Um, North Texas was four and six. Tennessee was three and seven. Um, and then the Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky should be better in that second game, but they were five and six last season. So you've got a lot of winnable games there before you go into a true underdog matchup on October 16th against Texas A&M. So it would be nice, you know, for Drinkwitz and, and because they're going to have people back in the stadium to, to have some wins stack up early to get some positive momentum building. Absolutely. And I think so much is going to come down to, I think this offense or this defense, I should say under Steve Wilkes, if it's competent, if it's even slightly above average, uh, I I think this team can have a really nice season. Um, I going back to that early schedule, I I don't think you can ever just count on a win over Kentucky, especially in Lexington. I mean, Mark Stoops had Missouri's number for a long time there until they won that game last year. Uh, the Tigers did in Columbia. So that, that is a, um, I won't, I won't call it a trap game, but that's, that will be competitive, I would expect. But beyond that, um, and Tennessee's got a new head coach in Josh Heupel. We don't know how that's going to work out. Um, I think you'd rather play a team with a new coach early in the season, just while they're still trying to figure things out and who they are. Um, But, you know, I, I think it is very, very manageable for an SEC schedule. You know, Missouri is, they, they want to play one or you have to play one power five team in non-conference every season. And we know down the road, Missouri has games against Kansas state, Illinois, Kansas, Colorado. Uh, this is, you know, part of the cycle with Boston college. And, you know, I, I, I saw them play a few times last year. I thought they're pretty competitive against Notre Dame. They've got a good quarterback, a good young head coach. Um, but again, Missouri should be favored in that game, even on the road. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a really, a manageable type schedule and the sec east is a bit of an unknown at the bottom because you do have new head coaches at uh tennessee south carolina and vanderbilt so they're they have new coaches for a reason because those programs have struggled here lately uh so we'll see what what it's kind of hard to you know to know for sure what those teams are going to look like um but we do know they just they haven't been very talented the last couple years are there any reasons to to think that georgia and just a lesser degree, Florida are not going to just be locks for those top two spots in the division. I mean, Georgia's kind of a, a rolling machine at this point. And Florida, Florida's a little not not as proven, but but they're certainly founding finding their way under Dan Mullen. What what are the chances of Missouri? I think it's very easy to see Missouri slotting into that third spot. What are the chances of Missouri improving upon that, pushing aside Florida, maybe even toppling Georgia? Um, not from the Missouri side of things, but this the fact that they could have steps back. Yeah, I don't know. I think Georgia is going to be pretty loaded. You know, I did a top 25 preseason top 25 right at the after the national championship game. And I had Georgia number one. They, they bring back a quarterback. Um, they don't lose a whole lot to the NFL draft. Kirby Smart is recruited as well as anybody in the country. Uh, these FPI projections give Georgia a 69% chance of winning the East. Uh, far more than Florida. It's only at 17%. And Florida has to replace Kyle Trask. They have to replace Kyle Pitts, a tight end, who's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. Uh, and Florida kind of faded a little bit down the stretch last year. And they did give Alabama a good game in the SEC championship game. But, um, you know, they peaked early, I would say, just as far as winning games. But, you know, as we saw, Missouri was uh, 
barely competitive in the second half in those games against Georgia and Florida. Um, and I, I just still think there's that gap there. But I do think, and someone asked in my chat last week if they thought there's any chance Missouri could possibly be the third best team in the SEC East this year. I said, well, yeah, be. because they already were. They, they right. were third place <laughs> last year. Um, and it wasn't a tie or anything. They had the third best record in the SEC East in an SEC-only schedule. So uh, they, they had the upper hand on Kentucky because they won that game head-to-head. Uh, they did lose to Tennessee, but Tennessee fell apart after that. Now is under a new head coach. So, yeah, I think it's it's right there between Missouri and Kentucky for the third best team in the league in the division. And I'd give Missouri the edge. And uh, they do have to go to Lexington this year, like we mentioned. But but sure, I think it's a I don't even know if it's a two team race. It is it is everybody kind of looking up at Georgia right now, even though Florida is the defending uh, division champion. Yeah, I look at the way Florida finished, as you mentioned, they got crushed by Oklahoma. They lost their last three, and they've lost a ton of starting talent, star talent, on both sides of the ball. So if there's a chance to jump up ahead of the Gators, this might might be the season to to do it. And And it's in Columbia. No one one respects respects the Kentucky uh, big blue streak over Mizzou more than me. That was actually, I think, a pretty pivotal win for Eli Drinkwitz to, to, to beat the Wildcats and not let that thing linger on now we'll see if he can maintain it um not a bad place I, th- I think that's I think if you're you're looking at that you say okay you know projected to be top 34 in the country you can turn that from 34 into a top 25 team um, right. that's that's a realistic uh, possibility there so we'll keep we'll keep eyes on that yeah look we, at the, uh, move forward here and if you look at the teams in Missouri's neighborhood now, again these are just projections but um right around them in the 30s you've got Michigan behind them, Florida State behind them. Uh, Louisville has been a good program for a long time. Kansas State, Nebraska, you know, Minnesota was a really good team just a couple of years ago. So Eli's doing some good things. If you if you built a, a, a team in by year two that is already uh, ahead of some of those, at least according to some projections, and knocking on the door of the top 25. So I think they've got the schedule and I think they've got the talent to be able to do that again this fall. Let's switch gears to hoops here, Dave. Uh, Conzo Martin had a chance to catch up with you guys about the latest transfers, guys coming in, guys guys going out. Uh, and he's excited about this group. What did he take away from his comments about the the new look basketball team that he's building? Still in the process, but uh, three, new, three new players and a chance there could be some more. Yeah, it, it's going to be a team that has a new identity. You know, they don't have, um, other than Jordan Wilmore, they don't have a traditional big. Uh, like a Jeremiah Tillman or even like Mitchell Smith. So they're going to be, I don't want to say more perimeter oriented, but he, I think he really desires his team to be more athletic, to have more guys that can get to the rim. Uh, that helps you out on both ends of the floor. And he thinks he's really found that in the three transfers in Amari Davis, uh, Deshaun Gordon and Boogie Coleman. Um, you know, there's still a lot of questions to answer just as far as how this group is going to play together. You know, I asked him, you know, does this team have enough three-point shooting? I mean, you need that in today's game. And we know that Tigers have struggled the last couple of years to shoot the three. Um, he said he thinks Coleman and then Anton Brookshire, the uh, freshman, he will be a freshman point guard from Springfield, will be solid three-point shooters. Uh, he thinks Javon Pickett can continue to grow there after a pretty promising year. He didn't take many threes, but he, he shot a pretty good percentage. Uh, in, in his senior year. Uh, so he really likes 
the direction that they're going. And he also like got a lot of questions about, you know, the transfer portal. Uh, and I know this is how he feels. He, he doesn't, he doesn't think this is the worst thing ever to happen in college basketball. It's the reality. It was going to happen. So you can do one of two things. You can either sit there and curse it and say, gosh, this is, this is the worst thing ever. It's killing college basketball. Uh, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I want to get out go coach in the NBA or just to go retire like Roy Williams. You're hearing a lot of that buzz from maybe an older generation of coaches who this just isn't the game that they grew up with and it's gotten too difficult, but console's taking the other approach and say, Hey, this is an opportunity. Um, you can, you can clear your roster uh, without really having to try to do it. You don't really even have to nudge guys out because they see the writing on the wall. They realize, Hey, this isn't the best fit for them. And then you've got literally a thousand players out there that you can go through who are experienced. And it's, it's like adding, I mean, you're adding players that are more experienced, more seasoned, more, a little more battle tested than a high school freshman uh, or a high school senior. And um, you can remake your roster pretty quickly. And they're hardly the only team doing this. The teams up and down the SEC are doing it. And uh, he, he likes how it's working out for them. He feels like it's a net gain. Uh, and, and you just look at three, three of the guys that have left Missouri so far, four if you count Mark Smith going to Kansas State, but three of the underclassmen have committed to other schools. Um, Xavier Pinson, LSU. I don't know if we have talked about that on the podcast yet. Interesting choice for sure, because it is not even a, one of the four schools he listed as his finalists, uh, which is interesting. Um, and then the other two are going to, I don't even know if we call them mid-majors. Parker Brown going to Santa Clara in the West Coast Conference. That's a mid-major conference, Gonzaga's conference. Beautiful place to live and go to school, I'm sure. And then Torrance Watson's going to Elon in the Colonial Athletic Association. That, that's a low-major conference. You know, that's, that's home of Drexel and Northeastern. It's not... Uh, it's not one of these rising conferences to where uh, that, you know, can produce uh, teams that that pop up on our radar too much even during March. Uh, so, you know, fans, there's some fans who were upset that those guys weren't getting more playing time and thought that they could be foundations for the future. Well, if so, then <laughs> where they ended up kind of says that's not the case. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting just to see how how they develop there. And, uh, and how the guys that are brought in to this program, two of them from mid-major conferences, how they develop. Yeah, you're basically betting on the guys come transferring up or more caliber, higher caliber SEC players than the guys transferring down, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be I mean, interesting to watch that play out. There's probably some chance that they're all around the same level of player, yeah. but we'll see. Um, I'm curious about Pinson. You mentioned that. Dave, I'm sorry, I, I don't. I have a hard time believing that that he had an offer from Kansas um, when he when he when he said he did, and that he picked an offer from LSU, which has a NCAA, FBI, Anvil hanging over its head and down there in Baton Rouge over an offer from KU. Was that just some good natured trolling, or or what did I miss there? I, I don't I don't I don't think that that Kansas offer was reported beyond uh, popping up on Pinson's Instagram. Yeah, he, he posted on Instagram, and I think he took it down pretty quickly, and then he, he made some statement about loving Mizzou fans, and maybe, maybe he was just messing with them a little bit. Uh, it, it's hard to know with Xavier. You know, he hasn't – to my knowledge, he's only done one interview, and that was with the Auburn's Auburn Rivals site back when this started, um, and he hasn't really said anything else on the record. I don't, I don't know if any of the LSU writers have talked to him since he committed there. Um, 
I know at least one called me to kind of get a scouting report on him, but I don't know if they had talked to Xavier to really know where his head was in this decision. LSU is in a really interesting situation. You know, four of their five starters are going to the NBA or at least entering the draft. And the fifth starter just entered the transfer portal yesterday. Um, they're bringing in a class with, I think with the, they've got a big time center coming in and maybe a wing. It's not one of the star studded classes that Will Wade has signed in the past. Imagine that. Wonder why he can't sign the top 10 class right now. Um, but like you said, a lot hanging over that. That's program. a strong ass. That's a strong ass take. There you go. Um, you know, we saw Arizona parted ways with Sean Miller. Um, he's got the NCAA heat coming at him. Bill Self at some point is going to, he's got allegations at him. Um, you would think at some point the NCAA would do something with LSU. So you're taking a bit of a gamble to go to a place that could have sanctions coming. Um, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. Now, the one thing about LSU and Missouri, as far as playing each other, they do not play twice a year. They just play once a year in, in the way the SEC schedules work out. And since LSU came to Columbia this past season, that means LSU would be on pace to host Mizzou next season. So Pinson probably won't play a game in Columbia, which somebody in my chat last week asked if fans would cheer him or boo him. Uh, I'm not sure he'd get a lot of cheers. You know, I, I don't know. Um, if you're going to show up to a Mizzou game at this point, you're – you're supporting Missouri, probably not there just to cheer for Pinson. So he'd probably get booed. I mean, considering Mike Anderson was one of the best coaches at Mizzou history and was still getting booed in like his sixth year at Arkansas, I think, I think Pinson would probably get booed coming to uh, Columbia. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, maybe they'll meet in the SEC tournament or, or something. I don't know. I'm curious to see how this plays out. I, I don't know how, I really don't know why any player who has options of anything would commit to a program that's got, literally an anvil hanging over its head right now, Kansas, you just say, okay, you know, they've, they've given Bill Self the lifetime contract. And I think they think they're above, above whatever's coming for them. And maybe they, maybe they will be, but Will Wade does not have the cachet and the, and the, and the, you know, the Teflon shield that Bill Self does. So I think you're seeing some of those transfers departing LSU for a reason. I'm curious to see, how that, you know, what kind of team he's on, if they get slacked with sanctions, might not be a very competitive team. We'll see. I mean, at some point, the NCAA is going to have to address some of this FBI investigation cloud that's hanging over its sport. It's got to, it's got to get something done on this sooner rather than later. So we'll see how the, how the trade, the, 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 the transfers play out. It'll be curious to watch how those guys play, who's transferred down compared to the guys who've joined the team transferring up. I'm with you. You can tell Zoe is excited about this group. He's, he's fired up about these guys. So we'll see how, how it plans out. I want to talk about Ben Askren. Dave, I'm, 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 I'm fascinated by this situation for folks who aren't following this. Ben Askren, you know, one of the greatest Mizzou athletes of all time, um, Mizzou wrestling legend who transitioned into mixed martial arts. He was in Bellator. He had the big clash with Dana White at the UFC um, he had a very successful mixed martial arts career, but he has, I believe he had retired. Right. He's kind of right. coming out of retirement, Dave, to fight, to box Jake Paul. Now, if you don't know who Jake Paul is, find someone younger than you and ask them who Jake Paul is. He is a loudmouth YouTube star guy who has, I think I'm, I think that's accurate, who's kind of tr- turned himself into a viral, viral celebrity 
and uh, and he's decided he's a boxer. So he's now been, you know, he's been he's been paying celebrities to have boxing matches with him for these big fights. He fought Nate Robinson, the, the former NBA player who's very short but very very strong, and knocked him out and went viral. So now he thinks he's a super boxer. He's gonna box Ben Askren, who's a wrestler and has always been a wrestling-based mixed martial artist, not so much a boxer. But this is going to actually happen, Dave. This is going down. Saturday night, pay-per-view in Atlanta. Um, Justin Bieber is going to do a show beforehand. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's this is this is for real. Uh, ben is 36 years old. Like you mentioned, he's been retired for a while. He's never boxed professionally. He's been training for a few months. Um, I've watched a lot of the interviews that they've done um, online press conferences it's it's crazy because ben was always i don't know if he was the heel in mma but he was always kind of the he, he kind of he didn't mind being the bad guy or at least the guy with a little bit more personality that could turn you off some that's the opposite now he's the baby face in this one because jake paul is like i don't know if he's trying to get into wwe i think his older brother logan paul does some wwe stuff uh but he's he's trying really hard i mean he is as obnoxious as it gets and Ben just kind of smiles and, um, you know, toys with them a little bit. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Ben's never boxed. Like we said, he wasn't known as, as a puncher or a striker in, in MMA at all. That wasn't really his game, uh, but he's never lacked confidence at all. Uh, it, it'll be really interesting. I, I read a lot about this. I, I was in touch with Ben early this week. We traded text. Uh, I was hoping to get in touch with him, but he's, he's been pretty busy promoting this fight. Um, I just saw Freddie Roach, the famed boxing uh, trainer. He's not only expecting Ben Askren to win, he thinks he'll knock him out. Uh, so it, this will be fascinating. Uh, Jake Paul now is, is saying these things that Ben agreed to sacrifice his purse for the fight if he should start using MMA tactics in the middle of the match. And, and Ben quickly denied that. Um, this, this but this thing, is a boxing match. This is not an MMA fight. I know, I know. Yeah, he's going to have like, you know, boxing like boots on i would think he's not gonna start kicking him um but this this is wild i i don't know if i'm gonna plunk down the, i think it's 40 or 50 bucks to watch it uh saturday night. i think i'll just wait for it to go viral on yeah, it'll it'll be on, on twitter, twitter or twitch yeah. or something. no offense no offense ben yeah um was well, he gonna make some money if he wins this thing i think so i saw a tweet right. earlier today it'll be his biggest prize bout ever if no uh, kidding no i don't know it's it, he can't he, he can't get he can't get knocked out though I mean, he can't. I mean, if you get I mean, knocked out by the YouTube guy, it's over. I mean, you got to retire again, and then like I mean, never or heard from again. And that's why he's not an MMA anymore. Anyway, I mean, he got knocked out yeah. about a year and a half ago, and ended up having to have I think hip surgery and had some some injuries from there. And he he doesn't need this at this point. I mean, Ben has his own career going. He's a podcaster, professional podcaster. Um, he's really into the Bitcoin stuff. If you follow him on social media. Um, He's got his his huge property up in Wisconsin. He's got his wrestling academies, which is really his life. Um, and he's got a great family. You know, he doesn't need this, but I think it's fun for him for sure. He did a really cool, I'd suggest anybody go go look for it on Twitter. He did a training montage um, to the Rocky Four theme when Rocky's up in Russia in the snow. And he reenacted every scene from that uh, to do his own boxing or boxing training for this match, even to the part where he crumbled up a photo of of Jake Paul that was on his mirror. Uh, this Jake Paul guy is a complete clown. I mean, I, 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 
I can't imagine anybody in the right mind will be watching this and rooting for him to beat Ben Askren. I mean, even if you don't like Ben, just for humanity's sake, you got to be rooting for Ben in this one. Uh, so it'll be, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it just to see how it all unfolds. All right. We got two votes for Askren here. Um, maybe if he wins, he'll come on the podcast with us. And That'd be awesome. Man. Give us his, uh, give us his breakdown. One of the more interesting guys I've ever, ever encountered. And, uh, for the, as you said, for the love of humanity, Ben, please knock this guy out and, uh, and, and do it for, do it for everyone. Not just, <laughs> not just yeah, people no. who covered him at Mizzou. Last time I talked to Ben was last summer or last spring when I did that top 30 list of the top athletes I covered at Mizzou. And he was like, a, he was genuinely pissed. He wasn't number one. He was number two. <laughs> he was number two behind Chase Daniel. And he gave me crap for, for putting him number two. He said I was a football homer. Um, well, whereas tell him, tell him you'll move him up to one if he beats the Logan Ball. <laughs> most like Mizzou fans were mad that I had Askren ahead of Jaden Cox, but Askren was mad that I didn't have him number one because that's just how that's who Ben is. But he's awesome. I, I hope he I hope he takes this clown's head off. <laughs> all right, man. Well, we've we've made our picks there. We've 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 covered it all. We we've, we've talked Mizzou football projections, roster turnover for the basketball team, and now. MMA. I, it will, they'll be calling us soon to host the MMA podcast for uh, for UFC. Hey, good stuff, Dave. We'll uh, we'll we'll do this again next week uh, as we kind of continue to keep everybody up to speed here. We'll start diving more into football as it gets closer. We might have to do some opponent previews, things of that nature. Um, gearing up for a full football season, which I know we're both excited about getting folks back in there and getting some of that normalcy back for college football season. So. We'll keep keep that. If you have questions, if you have podcast ideas, things you want to hear, people you want us to talk to, let us know. Um, I'm on Twitter at Ben underscore Fred. Dave's Dave Matter on Twitter. Find our podcast, stltoday.com slash podcast. Do us a favor, subscribe. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review if you can. Thanks for everybody who listens, and we will uh, catch up with you next week.